Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market events and trends while having a couple of beers at the end of the week. I am Boa Shoshan and I'm joined today as ever by Sam. Sam, how are you getting on this week? Good afternoon. I'm, I'm getting on very well as usual. Um, yeah, got a couple of couple of interesting beers here that are uh, a little, little different from the usual sort of IPAs that we that, that are often sort of slide in or variations of IPAs, Neepers, Deepers, where you're going to get your Jeepers. I don't know. That's, there's, so I'm looking forward to a couple of coldies, as I am sure everyone else is on this long weekend episode of Booze Booze. Yeah. Yeah, this is a uh, yeah. I actually forgot it was a long weekend. Got that to look forward to. Great, all the, all the more beer consumption over the weekend. I, um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad we are just doing this audio. This is the uh, the first podcast where I've, I'm actually not wearing a shirt because I uh, I was slightly delayed earlier and I uh, was trying to make it back on time and had to sprint through cheddar while uh, while carrying a bag of Cornish pasties as fate would have it. Uh, and now I'm absolutely boiling and don't want to put a shirt on because it's pretty humid around here. So, yeah, you, I'll leave it to you, uh, the the listener's imagination, but uh, not not feeling uh, not feeling a pretty sight right now. Uh, but I've already started my beer because I'm absolutely torched. And this week I have got a uh, a what is that? Bragoy Bragoy Mantle Brewer, Brewery Bragoy Mantle Brewery, and this one wow. is called Moho. It is a Welsh pale ale, four point three percent. Uh, never had anything from Bragoy Mantle before. Uh, handcrafted ales from Cardigan, a robust Welsh pale ale, finely balanced for a full-on flavor treat. Uh, oh wow! And then it's got a long passage, all in capitals, so very important. It's shouting. <laughs> yeah, Mantle from the Earth's molten belly provokes the image of a natural, full-bodied wart boiling furiously with flavoursome and aromatic whole hop pot flowers to craft the best in Welsh ale. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, only 4.3%. You know, if you're going to go all caps, you should at least have a high ABV, goddammit. This is... Um, <laughs> but, you know, it tastes all right. It tastes all right. Point. What, are you, what are you drinking, mate? So uh, my first one is Bohemia Regent Traditional Czech Beer which is a premium dark lager, a 4.7% ABV. Uh, and I believe Bohemia Regent must be the brewery because the bottle is delightful. It's, it's like a, it's an embossed or embossed bottle with the Bohemia Regent uh, coat of arms, 1379, which I'm assuming it was, is the date of, of, of the, the inception of the brewery. So yeah. um, like crusades were still going on back then yeah man that that shit's that's that's like uh i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this a it's been a while since i've had an embosed uh bottle uh let alone from a brewery that's some you know 600 odd years old and a dark lager at that so i, I yeah looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah sounds uh sounds interesting interesting indeed yeah is, is that the australian pronunciation embosed for embossed I don't know. I don't know. Is it embossed? Is it embosed? I've never heard embosed before, but it sounds a lot more exciting. Yeah, okay. I'll stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just me. I quite often get pronunciations wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick oh. with embosed. 
Don't worry. I think you'll get away with it, mate. I don't think uh, the, maybe the embossing lobby takes it very seriously indeed. But I think I think I think we'll be all right. Now, it has been a interesting, uh, interesting week for the uh, for the markets in general. Where would you like to start? I mean, uh, a lot of fireworks. I mean, old mate Jerome uh, was having a chitter chatter today just to open up the markets, push them up to some all-time highs again, um, stoke the fuel uh, to, to, you know, to, to buy, just, just buy everything, right? Is it, that's pretty much all you have to do at the moment. Just, just buy anything, buy everything. And uh, I, except uh, the footsie, because it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> up only, right? <laughs> except, except the footsie is like, uh, it's yeah. Just, it's Where's, like where, why is Bailey? Where's Bailey? God damn it. Why is yeah. it? Why isn't he goosing the footsie? Where's his sense of pride? I feel like he needs to be on Twitter, Bailey. Oh yeah, throwing he he what was like his posting name? memes and shit. Mm, yeah, well, imagine if Powell did that. I think if Powell started doing that, I think nobody would. Yeah, I mean nobody. Would imagine if Powell posted like a Pepe the Frog meme with like up only on it or something. Well, like then he'd get cancelled. He'd get cancelled because that's a uh, you know. Uh, it's a it's a symbol associated with the alt right or whatever, and uh, you know I'm sure one of these think tanks. Well, the, the the money money printer goes brrrr, me yeah. something like that. It would be good if uh, if if Powell actually overtly acknowledged the meme at some point and be like, you know, that gif of me printing money where I've got a really upset face. I find it very offensive. Could you please hey, stop that? Speaking of speaking of pronunciations, is it gif or gif? Uh, I've always I've always called it a GIF. However, yeah. some people do. Um, I'm, do I'm, I'm, I'm 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 on the GIF side of things. Sorry, yeah. a GIF. Uh, you call it it's Doge, right? It's not Doge. I say Doge. Yeah. Yeah, Doge. Yeah, yeah, like right. like uh, a bit like Dojo, but not. <laughs> but yeah, we have a GE instead of a J. With a G right? instead of a J. Doge. Yeah. Some yeah. people do say do, do, doggy doggy coin. But, doggy uh, coin. Yeah. If it was going to be doggy coin, it'd be double GY, you would have thought. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, I mean, no, I mean, it has to be Doge because the Doge of Venice, right? The mayor of Venice, it's not the dog of Venice. It's always the Doge. That's so right. it's got to be Doge, right? Um, it has to be. I, I, we should probably put, we might put this, should put this on our Twitter Twitter page. Uh, yeah, a, a little, a, a triple vote. Is it embossed or embosed? Is oh. it, uh, is it GIF or GIF? And is it doggy, doggy or doggy or doge? Mm, yeah, <laughs> Let big the question. people decide. Big plays here at episode 55 of the Heavy BB. hitting questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to I start using embosed now. I think, you know. Uh, do you know, know, but when you say it, it sounds way cooler than when I say it. <laughs> oh, thank I you. I think That's it's the great. accent. The imbo could I could I get that business card embosed, please? Oh, that's yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's that is that's that's mint. <laughs> we do have uh, we do have Jackson Hall coming up, you know, big meeting for uh, for the central banking elite. Yeah, have- step us through that. So, like, I, I mean, I I'm not I don't get into as much of these things as as you do. I don't really know what Jackson Hall is. You're gonna have to step me through it. It's been a long time since I've uh, I paid a huge amount of uh, attention to it. I believe the history goes back to um, Volker, Paul Volker, yep. the man who hiked the rate so hard. I believe the story is the only way that what they wanted to do, uh, a, lot, a group of guys, you know, academics, uh, you know, p- politicos and that, you know, they wanted to make uh, sort of 
central banking, they wanted communication to be better, at least at the central bank level each other. And when it comes to discussing what is going on in their heads when they're setting these interest rates. And they picked Jackson Hole specifically because it's a beautiful part of, uh, I believe it's in Wyoming. Right. Um, I, th I think it's Wyoming. Yeah, I think it's in, yeah, I think it's in Wyoming. Uh, beautiful uh, Wyoming. And Volker loved to fish. So the way they sort of lured him out to come and uh, do a chat was uh, so that it you know was by saying here you'll be at this lovely retreat for a while and you'll be able to fish and you know which he loved to do and that's how it, that's why it's historically been in jackson hall is just because that's how they wanted to get this big central banker uh you know that's how they got him out there they lured him out there and uh, i think it's mostly it's a it's a beautiful retreat uh mostly frequented during the winter time uh, they've got uh, i think it's elk over there uh, yeah. uh, which you can shoot uh, but you know it's a beautiful resort you know they've got outdoor outdoor swimming pools and everything and uh, it, it's become a place where central bankers from other countries uh you know go over uh, just to share their thoughts on uh, what's going on in the international monetary system and what what their principles are, what their strategy is, how they interpret things, what they see as problems that central banks should be meeting together, like, or, you know, connecting over. Uh, so Mark Carney, uh, he made a very big, uh, a very big uh, sort of speech uh, when he was BOE at his last Jackson Hole meeting, where he said that the dollar needs to be replaced uh, with some kind of neutral asset rather than or neutral currency rather than the dollar because it you know america is no longer such a titan of the world economy that it was etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just a place where they all go to have a chat and they've always got these very funny photo shoots there is a uh, I'll, I'll i'll dig it out and i'll put it on our twitter twitter page there was just this sublime photo shoot from 2016 jackson hole where you've got Harihiko Kuroda of the Bank of Japan, you've got Mario Draghi of the ECB, and you've got Janet Yellen. And they're all sitting outside and uh, no, they're all standing outside holding these disposable coffee mugs where, where they've, you know, they've gone outside for a photo shoot, but they're just talking at the same time. And so you've got these three people against this beautiful landscape and they're all facing in different directions and they all have completely different expressions. So Yellen is looking, is like, is really short. She's a very short yeah, lady. And she's like turning away. She looks kind of confused. Draggy looks like he's about to murder somebody. And he's sort of, <laughs> he's standing in the middle. Well, probably was. And he's got, he's wearing this black suit. And <laughs> uh, and then Haruhiko Kuroda, it looks like a jester at the side. He's laughing his head off, but he's like looking in a completely different direction. And it's this incredible <laughs> image. I'm actually, um, yeah, I actually started making a massive stencil of that image a while back. Uh, and I've never gotten around to completing it. I've mm. done Draggy and I'm halfway, I was halfway through doing nice. Janet Yellen. Uh, but I never got around to completing it for Corona. You got to finish that. You got to finish I it, did. and then mint it as an NFT. <laughs> yeah, which moves on to our second part. What are they going to say at Jackson Hall about NFTs? You know, the the NFT problem must be addressed. I guarantee you that Yellen's going to talk about it, and she's going to own up and confess to owning a non fungible friend's dick pic oh. <laughs> that she oh, flipped mate. for twenty five ETH. <laughs> So that she buy some crazy cat shit fucking NFT drop. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna give a speech where she says, "I'm so happy that technology has increased to the degree where I no longer need to make millions doing really shitty things <laughs> for Wall Street banks in retirement to make a make a buck. Now yeah. all I need to do is YOLO some money into some really <laughs> illiquid shit on OpenSea and then triple it and quadruple it and quintuple it uh, until I, mean, I can." 
you know, over a weekend. Like, do you reckon, do, has she got grandkids or kids or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's married with, uh, her husband's an academic. Yeah, right. So it, like, if, if she just rolled it to Citibank or whatever and just got paid a couple hundred grand for a bit of a fluff about with, you know, talking about some shit. Which tell me, was- tell me at some point she's not just going to flick some of that into like some crypto punks and just flick them to the grandkids for long-term saving or something like that. Right. I mean, come on. She can't be that stupid. I, 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 I'm, if you I'm sorry. I must disappoint you, Sam. I, I believe the intellectual academic elite who are at these ivory towers are the most unimaginative dull people in the world. They, <sighs> Do they buy I, real I idea. <laughs> they, yeah. No, they don't. They don't. They just buy the modern contemporary shit. <laughs> He's probably got a load of Damien Hurst crap. Oh, dear. They probably, yeah, they, they probably put it into a bank account. Yeah, what's up with that, right? I know. What's up with bank accounts? It's, it's so, it's it's so like, like, it's so like early 2000s. It's like, did you see that? Did you see that story that C, I think it was CNBC was covering, or one of the news articles was covering? It's like 12 year old kid. Um, and he'd he'd been getting into like nfts he's you know you know learned how to code and program and shit and then he made his own nft drop like these pixel whales or something and he's made like 200 grand from selling the the original nfts and then like another 200 grand from the um ongoing royalties that he's getting for all the secondary sales in it as well it's like yeah Fair, fair, fair play to you, little dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. he's making as much. He's making as much passively as Yellen gets to speak at Citibank. Yeah, and if that isn't justice, I don't know what is. It's funny this how is the like, beauty of the world that we live in today. Yeah, it's, it's the absurdity of it. You know, you know, yeah. It's funny how things work out. It's interesting also with the internet. There's always it's always kids. So it, it like it's always it, kids. It, it, the internet, it's always kids who are, there's always stories. Every evolution of the internet has seen yeah. um, kids making a huge amount. So I remember, you know, where domain names uh, you have, <laughs> where there were kids made, being made rich overnight. <laughs> then there were people who were making shitty websites for like cheating on your homework. Then uh, there was then there was that, I remember, I remember there was that site for, um, what was it? You just put in someone in at someone's address and you paid $15. And they would just send uh, uh, an envelope full of glitter that can only oh, be open. Oh, glitter bombs. Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. shit was brutal. So, someone sold, sold that website for like six figures. I'm pretty sure it was a kid. Um, and social I, media influencers, obviously. Remember, it was Flappy Birds as well. Like then when everyone, yeah. it was, everyone was just able to just make games. That was an old dude though. Flappy Birds. Uh, right, he, remember, he took it off the app store because he didn't think he deserved the money. He was a very noble man. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, it was that dude was in his forties, I think. The guy that made Flappy Bird, and uh, he he could have just left it up there, and he would have made so many millions more. But he'd already made so much money, he was like, "I'm just taking it off," like, <laughs> which is which is very noble. But it's like you know, you could have just taken the money and then just put all the money you you earn after this point to charity or something, you know? Yeah, this, it, it was his it. his IP. He can do what it with it as he wishes. Yeah, fair enough. But Imagine yeah, if. You get those. Um, I remember seeing a story a while back about some one of these modern artists, obviously hugely egotistical, and uh, you know, it was at a gallery. His, his work was up at a gallery somewhere, right? And there was somebody with him who loved the work, right? But uh, they were describing the art and what it meant in a completely different way than what he wanted. Oh, uh, right. And his and he got so pissed off that he literally just tried and started attacking the work and just started destroying it. <laughs> This, is, this isn't what I wanted. This is, you know, it's you're just, not allowed to perceive this in a different way. Uh, okay. You got to, I mean, you got to respect the ability to, to be able to destroy something 
like that that you've created uh, well i mean i <laughs> i doubt it were I doubt it was of little of any value anyway, Sam. <laughs> you know, I don't think any value was being lost. It's, it's very, it's very, very true. Well, that's just me. I, a, a cynical old man that I am, you know, jaded. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, not a huge fan of modern art, but, you know, that's just me. It is, uh, yeah. Why, uh, why, why launder your money through the modern art market when you could just launder it through NFTs? This is what I, this is what I ask. Yeah. Or just, you know, there's really a great need to launder it anyway. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. I mean, just, just go buy some weapons or something off the Taliban, right? Yeah. Uh, or they, got, they, got lots to, they got lots to sell, I hear. Really? Got, I think, they, I th I think they're, they're probably going to be a buyer pretty soon, but yeah. you never know how these things will turn out. Um, I mean, so I mean like, this, is what I, this is what blows me away with just where it's, it's kind of like, it's like, I mean, the world's always been a pretty fucked up crazy place but it just and it always seems like at any given point of of now is it's you know it's always crazier than it used to be before because we are quick to forget how crazy things yeah, have been true. used to be as well but like you know we're talking about people getting blown up and 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 shit in um kabul and trying to escape afghanistan and all the all the difficulties and torment and trials and tribulations there and, and everything that's happening and then and on the other end of the spectrum, you literally, you know, people flipping JPEGs for like a million bucks. Uh, it's like the disparity between how parts of the world exist and live. I think, I think now because because we've got access to such information, um, you know, that disparity has probably always existed. We just never really saw it every yeah. minute of the day. Internet just reveals it. But it just it is. It's 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 a window to the world. And um, it's it's, yeah, it's it just blows me away. Like you know, they're talking about the Cristiano Ronaldo coming back to Manchester United. I mean, the dude makes like a million quid a week, uh, I think, and then some. <laughs> and it's it, I mean, just the numbers that we that we talk about now, is seemingly uh, just exponentially bigger than than what they used to be. Which you can only can only surmise is a direct result of. Uh, of, of inflation, of, 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 of pumping money into the economy. I mean, how else does this, do you keep these figures soaring um, if you don't continue to increase the money that's in the system? To play devil's advocate, so I'll pretend to be uh, Jerome Powell or, uh, or Super Mario or somebody, uh, they would argue that the economy has simply grown a lot more. Uh, so there's way more money in it as a result of productive enterprise that can be allocated to uh, footballer salaries. It, but by, by the way, I thought Ronaldo, is he not going to Man City? And that's well, a the, big, Yeah, so in the last like garbage. couple of hours, the deal has fallen through and now there's talk that there's an official contract from United for him and that he always would be happy to go straight back to United. All right. Well, well, everyone wants to be Ronaldo, I guess. Uh, football's never been my thing. Have you ever been big into football? Um. What so, more so now? So right. So like I was, I was big into Australian football. Um, obviously, when I was in Australia, because it's like the only major football that you that you that you have. All the Premier League and stuff's on it, like the you know sparrows fart overnight. So you never really watches watch that much. Um, and when you go out there, so like all the teams and stuff got salary caps. So the players they get paid well, um, but you know the the highest paying players are maybe only on you know a mill or two a year yeah. 
um, which is paltry compared to the kinds of figures and numbers that you see over here. So then when we moved over here, you can't help but get swept up in in the football when you when you're searching for something uh, sport related to watch. And so yeah, I've, I kind of get into it, and I just find I find the transfer the whole transfer market thing um, eye eye watering because, like I say, I come from a, a football league where there are salary caps um, that they have to abide by, and you come here and it's just like it's this mega free for all. It's like who's got the deepest pocketbooks? I know there's some rules around it, but it seems like there's not when you know there's players going for like a hundred million quid and you know a million five hundred six hundred seven hundred thousand pounds a week for one player in wages and shit it's like what the fuck <laughs> where mm. does it all come from um and it only seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you know you're right there's an element of you know economic growth i suppose behind it as well but it feels like it's more a um yeah, it's, it's, it's that divergence between the bookends of, you know, economic prosperity seems to be just continuously getting wider and wider and wider, um, which is, you know, it creates its own social issues then as well. And, you know, there's probably no great surprise that there seems to be a surge back towards the socialism mindset as that gap widens. Sort of mm. everything feeds, uh, you know, everything else in that sense, I suppose. Mm, it is interesting the disparity between football and or pretty much all other sports, barring NBA and the NFL. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing a couple there, but you know, just in terms of the, you know, looking at rugby, for example, vis-a-vis yeah. uh, football. You know, the All Blacks are obviously an incredible team, and you know, you know, they famously get paid more than the New Zealand Prime Minister, but <sighs> it's they get paid, you know, fuck all. Oh, they fucking should. To, She's shit. <laughs> yeah, she shouldn't be paid anything but uh you know the the all blacks but you know with all the skill that they have uh you know they're obviously great at the game and yet if you take any of the all blacks and then vis-a-vis Ma- a man U player that you know they're they're in peanuts yeah. uh, i find that very interesting just this how some sports and i i, I don't study at all because i'm not hugely into sports in general but it is interesting just how some sports just have such commercial uh exposure that way you know you just uh, you just hoover up so much money through through football which you can't get through something like cricket like even yeah. uh, even in india with the ipl and everything yeah sure they you, the ipl guys make a lot of money but it's still not like oh, you're level. in premier league um yeah. and i find that interesting I, I i i mean is it just is it just the beautiful game is this it because I, it doesn't strike me as as the beautiful game I mean, it must be. It must be around. I mean, it all has to come back to TV and broadcasting rights. I would have thought. You know, oh, you eyes on the ball. But then, like you say, you know, the IPL. You know that there's, you know, literally a billion people tune into that uh, yep. every season. Um, you know, I, I wonder. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have thought that. For, maybe football gets diluted a bit. I don't know because it is so global. Because cricket is is global, but still kind of concentrated. Like. Americans don't play cricket. It's a massive market. Can, I mean, th- there are cricket leagues in Canada and, and, and America, like, but in terms of you know all of the Americas, cricket isn't even really a thing apart from the uh, Caribbean, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, India, uh, you know, uh, or, and the uh, the Caribbean islands and whatnot. But it is it, you do find around the Indian Ocean there are uh, there are cricket teams. Um, and you know, uh, a little bit in North Africa as well. I still get a bit of that. 
but you know, uh, and Afghanistan, you know, Middle East is still, you know, the Afghan cricket team. Yeah, uh, I wonder what this is going to do to the Afghan cricket side. Actually, that's a good point, you know, right? So Afghan Afghanistan actually had a reasonable cricket side. They, um, they all things yeah. considering. Uh, and the the captain is currently in the UK and is yeah. uh, is very sad about what's what's going on uh, back home. And obviously, he he's not going. He can't really go back there. Um, but yeah, I mean, cricket's got a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of people that watch it. When you think of how, I mean, you got India, you've got uh, you've got the Caribbean, you have got uh, bits of the Middle East, you have got bits of uh, Indian Ocean. There's a lot of coverage there. Um, you do wonder why where why the money is all in soccer for me. I'm sure somebody who is big into sport would be able to answer this question very uh, you know very well. I wonder here. Okay, here's the the big bull case. So, you know, we're pretty, I like, I don't know about you, Sam, I'm pretty bullish on India in the long term. I think they're, uh, you know, it's a country that's got plenty of problems, but it's got plenty of people to create the solutions. Uh, you know, all those guys are, uh, you know, they're just wanting what everyone wants, which is, uh, you know, the house, the car, house, two cars, family, uh, high cholesterol. Oh, nuclear family. Uh, yeah, nuclear yeah. family outcome. Yeah, yeah. You want the, you got, you want the wife, you want the kids, you want two cars, High cholesterol, you know, all, all the all the good shit, and uh, you know that's what they want. And uh, I'm sure I, I've no doubt that they that they're going to get it. So if if India, they've got a billion people there, and they're massively into cricket, could we make the claim, Sam, that as India claim, you know, ascends to becoming a developed world nation, it has so many people at its back, it is not taking the same route as China. Could we make the case that we are going to see IPL players who will earn more money than Premier League players? Because there's, you know, as the billion people who are watching cricket over there get wealthier, you know, their their eyeballs, their attention becomes much more, uh, you know, their attention for adverts becomes much more valuable. So much more money goes into the IPL. And cricket, you know, becomes the world's richest sport. Would that be, uh, is that really too hard to believe? No, I don't think so. I mean, not, I don't think so. Um, I mean, like, so I know, you know I imagine Brett Coley's the same. Sachin Tendulkar, when he was playing, was like one of the highest paid athletes in the world, like up there with the likes of Jordan and Tiger Woods and, you know, Ronaldo and, and those, you know, these, these mega names. But it was, but it's always sort of been concentrated to a few. Um, yeah. But as it, as the, you know, these competitions like 2020 and stuff grow um, and, you know, yeah, Australia, England, uh, India are, the, are three really big ones with a lot of cash behind them. Uh, yeah, you can. It's fair to say you can. You know, some of the players are earning some mega bucks. No, uh, no, but then like the the entire sport, so the league in general, IPL. Like, if you're an IPL player, you're probably earning more than a Premier League player. On average, I would say probably yes. I'd love to know actually if anybody does know the actual. Uh, average wage of an IPL player versus the average Premier League player. Because, like, you're right, it's always concentrated and you always hear about, like, the real top end of the market. But, like, say you're, you know, you come off the bench for the first team for Watford. I mean, are you making as much as a guy that's, you know, in the starting 11 for the, you know, Kolkata Knight Riders or whatever they're, they're called? I think it's Knight Riders. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be an interesting comparison to make because it is. So, like, you're right. So, India, right? India is this interesting story now. It seems like because China's <clears throat> come out and put, you know, basically the handbrake on capitalism. I mean, 
let's be honest, they never really took the handbrake off capitalism, but yeah. you, you know <laughs> they, what I'm saying. They, they pressed the handbrake down <laughs> a bit more than they had. <laughs> they've, they've, they've added regenerative braking on top of the handbrake and the wind brake, um, the aero brakes and all the brakes. Or maybe um, they've just replaced the brake pads. Maybe that's it. They already, always had the brakes on and now they've just replaced the pads. So there's just a bit, bit tighter now, you know? Yeah, they're, they're like that They're like that learner driver that's, that's going full throttle with their foot to the floor, not realizing that they've still got the handbrake on perhaps. Mm. Mm. Uh, but who is trying to catch up with another with a with a shiny car on the street? Yeah, it's basically trying to catch up with America's shitly built but pretty fast Corvette. Mm, yeah, I is mean it's funny, you know what? If you look at you know what, you could look at the car market right, and you could look at how cars are built, uh, and 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 it, it it almost perfectly sums up the economy that they come from, like America. You know, oh yeah, big time. Super fast, super loud, pieces of shit on the inside. Um, British cars, just, you know, finesse quality on the outside, but always just seem to have that air of entitlement about them. Chinese cars, cheap, nasty knockoffs of everything else. Australian cars want to be American cars. You, I've just literally described every economy in how their cars are made and built. Well, well come on. We, we you an elephant in the room. Elephant don't build cars anymore in Australia. So that probably explains right. a lot too. Come on. What about ladder? You've got a comment on the ladder. <laughs> yeah, okay so then you've got like eastern european and russian cars which are just workhorses that will never die but never will change never really either. change or do anything else either zombies <laughs> just yeah, zombie yeah. cars yeah what does that say about their economies are these zombie economies they'll just keep keep on going but yet won't won't ever speed up it's like russia right like russian cars you'd ne- like no one's no one outside of russia buys russian cars oh yeah big time is that yeah? Is that great line in uh, in that Nicolas Cage movie, Lord of War, where uh, you know great movie seen, by the way, that a very good movie. You can watch the entire thing on YouTube for free, and like it's not been oh, taken really? down in years. So I'm guessing the royalties are, are just free I love on that movie. That's a yeah. that's such a great movie. And his his brother is it's Jared Leto, isn't it? Jared Leto, yeah. And, oh, he's uh, he's fantastic in it too. It's one of yeah one of Nick Cage's rare very you know, hand oh great movie very yeah. good one but he's got that monologue where uh he's just talking about the uh about the uh russia's export well he's talking about the ak-47 but he's just saying how it's, it's russia's greatest export yeah. and how uh you know that other than a few poets and things like that they don't have much going for them uh and you know mozambique put it on on their flag etc etc and but he makes this comment that one thing's for sure we're regarding Russian exports, nobody was queuing up to buy their cars. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Lada's there was, a, there was a great meme somebody made a while back where it just shows you the Mini Cooper since the 60s and just every single edition of it all in one image. So you just see it sort of flowing up and then you just see the Lada and obviously it doesn't change. And then it's just been titled with perfection requires no improvement. but i would never want to get inside one Uh, they seem invincible but i you know they're just ladders they seem invincible but i'd never want to get inside one i mean again the perfect analogies for for how these economies function i did have a point though we were talking about india right and it seems like india has become you know the the new hot mega market i think we briefly touched on emerging markets the other week last week or whatever as well um but yeah, so everyone's sort of chumping off the, the China bandwagon. Like I, I saw again a, a report 
today um, about uh, China cracking down on uh, foreign IPOs of Chinese companies. Um, it just seems like they just want to bring everything back in-house and just clean up shop. Um, and it's just like investors are just going to be like, oh, fuck you guys. We're going to go look for somewhere else. And India seems to be the hot spot now to, to jump onto. I, I reckon we'll see start to see a, an, another surge. I mean, there's plenty around as it is, but I think we'll see a surge of India-only funds investing in Indian startups and tech companies uh, that will look to sort of jump on this somewhat um, anti-China rhetoric, which is kind of justified and move over to to India and, and the, the whole India story will become uh, will become the story of of uh, you know the next sort of year or two I would have thought yeah I do hope the Modi administration does uh, see this as an opportunity to uh, you know really uh, hoover up all of the capital that China is kicking out uh, the China uh, these these Chinese the CCP may really just trying to show who's boss I think a lot of it is uh sort of a not symbolic but you know sort of a sending a message that if you are a capitalist in China you do need to you you are you need to you know kiss our boots kind of thing um and I do wonder there's only so much control that the man on top can actually have on mm. considering the size of the CCP so you're always going to forget find guys being more extreme in order to you know in order for their actions to be uh you know to be uh, seen at the top right you want to you want to highlight your act activity and you you highlight your activity by being the most extreme uh, and i imagine a lot of that's going on when it comes to the the chinese economic es establishment and them trying to show that they are they're the they're the top dog thing is the uh, the problem with uh, the india story is that the indian government is not totally free market capitalist there are there are they've got plenty of protectionist um you know, laws in place. And, uh, and those are going to be hard to shift because at the same time, India does have a lot of national pride there. And they, it's, they like want they're, to make... um, it's like they're a bit like China light. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say China light. I would say, what would be a good example? I would say, well, it'd probably be insulting to, to, to folks in India, but I think, no, I'll tell you this. I think China is North Korea light. I think the future of China is just North Korea light. So they'll have all the weird stuff going on in North Korea, except just a, a slightly less, uh, you know, less extreme version. Uh, but for India, like, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to buy an Indian stock a while back, you know. Mm. Uh, it was a, a, How do you know a, about buying Indian stock? Like, I've, I've never bought an Indian It's tricky. Stock. It's right. tricky. Right. So this is one of the, this is one of the things that makes it, that is going to be an obstacle for people who really want to invest in India. Because you right. need a certain certificate in order to uh, in order to be able to buy a stock, and certain certain countries can, uh, and and it's not for everyone. And you, uh, I did actually end up bringing up a broker over in uh, I think it was Bombay, and they were going to be able to help me to do it, but in the end, it just didn't, it didn't quite work out. Bit of a faff, You're, really. It is a lot of a faff. Interestingly, the program to open up to foreign foreign investors kind of got derailed by some bureaucrats who wanted to, to institute this level of. Um, well, it's a barrier really for foreign investors where you qualify to get a certificate. And then once you have the certificate, you can do this, this, that, and the other. And it was, it was sort of marketed as a, as a digital thing, but it, it doesn't really work out the same way. I really hope they, they reorganize it because this is really very much a faff. It's very hard for brokers, for example, if you're you know, in the UK and you want to, uh, you can't, you're not going to be able to buy a, an Indian stock there. You are going to, yeah. if, if you're lucky, you'll probably just buy an ETF that does, yeah. 
have uh, you know sort of institutional recognition and they can own the stock. But I a while back I wanted to buy a um, a stock, and it's probably a good thing that I didn't because the stock did just go down afterwards. Right? <laughs> It was, not, it was not a great stock. I'll actually, I'll, I'm going to look it up now and just see what the uh, what the stock price has done. Um, but I was just really bullish on um, Indian rearmament because this, you know, the, this this squabble, well, it's not a squabble, it's a cold war between India and China, by which they are, uh, you know, going going uh, very much against each other, is very bullish for Indian rearmament. And India, India's military is such a mess. Like their right. their their air force has has pretty much airplanes from every different decade post 1950 and from every single country that creates aircraft. So they've got, you know, they've got French stuff, they've got Soviet stuff, they've got American stuff, they've got uh, planes of every different, uh, every, every different color and shape and size. They've all been sort of uh, accumulated over the years. And you'll find, uh, you remember there was that squabble in Pakistan where uh, an Indian aircraft was shot down yeah. by one of the you know and uh, the aircraft that got shot down i think it was it was one of these migs that had like been sold in the 1960s hmm. and, uh, and uh, a lot of people think you know they deliberately put their like really shitty fighter aircraft up so it would get shut down because <laughs> that allowed modi to then go a really pro-nationalist in the election and things like that um that you know there is so much room for improvement with the indian military that i think you know a big uh, you know, there's going to be a big push at some point in the future, and I think in the near mm. future to really modernize it because they've got stuff from everywhere. Russia's played a very interesting role, uh, where Russia is sort of the uh, sort of the the neutral in the middle between China and India, but kind of slightly favoring India, where yeah. uh, they're you know all the Indian military carry Kalashnikovs of some of some design or some derivative of it, and Russia's done very well in in keeping that business over there because America has not got a you know formal defense treaty with uh with india and so in and india has is very you know has its own interests at heart right it doesn't want to be you know following following the american flag it wants to do its own thing which i think is fair enough but i wanted to buy this stock that was called uh <laughs> and it does what it says on the tin it's called premier explosives <laughs> and, uh, they're listed, yeah they're listed on the bombay stock exchange and let's have a look. What, what the, what's the stock price doing right now? Uh, oh, oh, no, oh don't, is it booming? Is it? Uh, it's, let's see, from when I was going to buy it, from when I was going to buy it. Okay. Oh, no, I, uh, no, I would have about break, broken even. Actually, I would have broken even. Um, so it went down for, uh, so it, would, it was in oh, oh, there you go, yeah. late wow. 2018. I was looking at that and uh, it bottomed at the, in the crash in 2020. And very recently it has started booming. I wonder what happened in June. So yeah, some... you wanted to be in this one, like at the turn of the century, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, uh, the 20-year chart here goes, it's, it's, uh, it's like 100x <laughs> for the 20-year chart. Mm, yeah, Premier Explosive. I mean, what a good name as well. What a good name. <laughs> These guys peaked, just make, yeah. It, peaked, make it would have been up like, it would have been like a 200 times in like 2017. Wow, that's some chart, that. It's like, mm. it's just like one, two big third boom and and crash and now it looks like we're in, just starting the fourth yeah it's a uh yeah uh, and a good company i mean well i say a good company but you know I, I obviously i'm not in india i've not met any of the guys but i i think the 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 products that they are making which range from the really big stuff to things like hand grenades i think they're going to get a lot of business in the future so wow. I, I, was, I was trying to buy this thing <laughs> 
And, Sorry, uh, I'm just looking at some of the some of the stocks on the Bombay Stock Exchange, and they all seem to have like boomed from like 2013 to 2017, and then crashed to 2020. Yeah, mate. Indian stock market. See, I wish that it was easy in the UK to access this because it's such an interesting story. India, like the Indian capital market story, is really fascinating, and it's it's huge. There's so much. There's so much there. Uh, there, and there's so much, so much opportunity, and you know, the, there is a huge number of Indian retail investors who are really big on it. Uh, it's a very interesting story. I just wish we had more access to it because yeah. there's so much, so much. Well, so like, while you, just as we've been having a chat, I went on to ETF.com, which, to be fair, for anyone that is uh, searching for ETFs, uh, ETF.com is a pretty sick site. Um, you can just sort of type in a search term uh, for something you're looking at, you know whatever it might be, something thematic or country specific. And it comes up with like heaps of information about different ETFs, whether or not they're available to you or not um, depends on your broker and all that. But I, I go to it when, you know, just looking for what sort of happening in the ETF space. And I just typed in India in the search function on it. And it came up with a bunch of um, uh, articles and, and, and ETFs like there's an um, Wisdom Tree India Earnings Fund, uh, iShares MSCI India ETF and Nifty India Financials ETF. And like year to date, you know, iShares, or what is it, the Wisdom Tree India Earnings Fund, year to date, 21%. The MSCI India ETF, 16%. The Nifty India's Fund, India Financials, 14%. And I found this article. So from like for the rolling year, uh, the India iShares MSCI India ETF, which they say tracks a market cap weighted index of the top 85% of firms on the Indian security market. Um, uh, the rolling year, it's like 40%. Uh, up, which beats the beats the MSCI uh, EAFE ETF and beats the MSCI Emerging Markets ETF. Um, I don't know, it's interesting. I just interesting stuff to like you say because you can't because getting direct access isn't the way. Um, you know, the, turning to something like ETFs uh, or funds uh, is, is a reasonable uh, you know alternative, and it seems to be like India's, you know, in the midst of its resurgence when it comes to these sorts of things. Yeah. And India has very good demographics. So India never yeah. did the whole one, one child thing. So they're, uh, they're, they've got good demographics. But yeah, come on. Come on, Modi. Open the markets. Like, we want to give you the money. We want to give you the money. Yeah. Um, between, from your stockbroking account on your phone in the UK, I want direct, directly in, uh, invest directly in, in Indian shares. Yeah, give me the Bombay Stock Exchange. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be so fun. That'd be really cool. That would be fun, especially because I like. Well, I just seem to be seeing more and more and more, yeah, you know, tech unicorns and startups and stuff, and they're all just like Indian based. There's a lot of smart. I mean, you can, when you've got that many people, you're bound to have a shit ton of smart, entrepreneurial, uh, savvy people that are going to create great businesses. And when you've got a market, you know, that big, um, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Interestingly, Chad, yeah, I, I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Sam. We, the crypto story in general, uh, there's you know, a huge skew towards what China is doing, be it, be, it, be it the Chinese government, be it rich people trying to get the money out of China. Yeah. You never hear, well, I, don't, I, I say never, that's an exaggeration, but you don't hear so much the Indian story regarding uh, cryptocurrencies and that, other than uh, you know, the sort of paid group uh, crypto promotion is often negatively uh, associated with 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 India. In terms of big Indian projects, I'm sure there are plenty out there. Are there any that you're familiar with that are uh, you know that are these are where, where they're very big in India and you know they've got global ambitions? 
Um, I couldn't say off the top of my head, to be fair. I mean, a lot of the projects end up with, you know, you it, it, it seems to be developers and technical leads that come from, uh, you know, that part of Asia, yeah. uh, whether it be India or, you know, neighboring countries around India as well, uh, whether it be Sri Lankan or from Pakistan or, you know, wherever. Um, but I can't think of any specific Indian projects. Uh, so, yeah. So in that, in that case, it's like, so, we're just, we're making a, an internet native project and a lot of our developers are from, you know, uh, from Southeast Asia, right. And the low Yeah. Form. I mean, to be fair, you find like, that's the thing, right. Is with crypto is that you don't, I mean, aside from, you don't find loads that are just like, we are all about this country kind this of thing. Country, yeah. There are a few, but you do end up with people from all over the world. And that's the beauty of it. You know, it's the beauty of open source. The thing with India, though, is that the government's always been pretty anti-crypto. They've yeah. tried to block it and ban it. And is it six times? It. That few, I mean, I think, to be fair, I think they've done it as, as many times as, as China has. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just an old, it's an old story. That, and they never follow through with it. Um, but there, there's a, definitely a captive uh, audience there for it, no doubt. Um yeah, 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 I can't think of any of them here, but I think we'll probably maybe we'll see an emergence uh, of of more. Because the big thing, yeah, big thing in India is the digital payment story. Like there, there are leaps and bounds ahead when it comes to uh, making digital payments for things. And I do wonder whether or not this is going to be, uh, you know, whether we'll whether we'll find a crypto story that has a distinctively Indian edge uh, that that ends up being like one of the one of the top thirty. Actually, um, now you mention it. I'm just, there is one project that I think comes to mind. I'm just trying to find out if they actually are. Uh, I don't know. So I don't know if they're, if they're actually Indian or not. Hmm. No, oh, don't worry. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll, we'll, we'll, we'll see them in the fullness of time. Uh, this does say, it seems like we, we've, we've come up with the, this is a very pro India pro-india episode yeah I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about i i think it's i th i think india's yeah i'm all for it i i mean i've never been i'm not gonna lie um I, I would like to go i'd like to see what it's all about um but you can't help but think that the market there is ripe yeah a lot of people a lot of people i mean it's the same it's all the same sort of things that people were saying about china and then you know but 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 with seemingly less uh, of the sort of authoritarian side of things. Yeah, we are not perfect. Less, don't get me wrong, but yeah, certainly, yeah. But yeah, uh, but less of less of the downsides. But Sam, what? How would you rate your first beer? Because right now I am uh, I'm currently drinking some scrumpy, so I feel I should review my first. See, now you talk about scrumpy. So before before we came to air, there I saw this article uh, that was on Twitter that I think it was from the <laughs> Sun about. Uh, let me pull it up. It was a headline that said, and I'll read this out for our listeners, OAP sells scrumpy cider to passers-by, but it's really his piss. I think it was the Sunday Sport exclusive. And I sent this to Boaz. I said, have you verified where you've got your scrumpy from? <laughs> Not just some OAP on the side of the road. Mm, yeah, this OAP. Mm, I saw that. I saw that headline. I was like, <laughs> damn, this boy looks familiar. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's <laughs> if you if you uh I yeah well, uh, I can only speak for myself and uh, I don't know what piss tastes like. However, this I don't think 
this isn't this doesn't taste like what I imagined piss tastes like. So that's all I can say. Maybe maybe this is piss. Maybe. But, Sorry, uh, I was going to review. I was going to rate my first beer, and then I got sidelined because you said scrumpy. And now every time you think, every time you say I'm drinking scrumpy, I'm just going to think, <laughs> think it's sinking some old bloke's piss. <laughs> Uh, I hope not, Sam. I hope not. But right, the um, where was it? The Bohemia Regent traditional Czech lager, uh, dark lager, uh, excellent, excellent, lovely, uh, very good lager. The dark lager I liked. Uh, yeah, it was a bit, a little bit more, I guess, toasty flavor to it. Um, uh, that was that was very easy to drink. Um, I, I'm giving that a B plus. I mean, and to be fair, for something that's six hundred odd years old, I'd expect that they'd probably be perfected it by now. So I would, I would have expected nothing less, to be honest. Okay, yeah, I mean, at least a B plus, at least. Um, you know, you've you've had plenty of time, guys. Had plenty of time. <laughs> get your shit, get your shit in order. <laughs> okay, over here, I was drinking that Bragoy Mantle Brewery. Yeah. No, no, or is it? Maybe it was. Maybe it's just the way it's been presented. Maybe it's Bragoy Brewery, and it's called Mantle. Ah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, this one, uh, Bragoy Mantle Brewery Moho. I'm just going to read it in the order of the words as they are presented. <laughs> 4.3% PLL. Yeah, uh, very pleasant to drink. No, no problems. However, um, at the same time, nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy stands out. I do feel if you're going to do a, a very uh, sort of waxing lyrical, all caps uh, <laughs> description at the back, you should probably have more weight behind it. Uh, I don't feel the the taste of the beer sort of uh, lined up to this very grand description about you know the Earth's molten belly, etc., oh, etc. No. Et They've overpromised so, um, and underdelivered. Mm, I think I will give it a. Um, I think I'll give this. I'll give this an A. I think I'll give it an A. And there's nothing wrong with an A. It's just a yeah. It's just a. It's just a beer. But uh, you know, nothing. No problems. No issues. Just a beer. <laughs> That's what it is. It's and, like uh, it's actually probably the most offensive thing you can say about a beer. It's just a beer, really. You could, oh well, uh, worse than saying it's an old man's piss. Wow, well, true. I think you okay. could do worse. Old man's piss, but that could be out. That could be the worse than AAA rating. The old man's piss. <laughs> I think that's the description of the AAA rating. Is just like, are you sure you didn't buy this from an OAP standing at the edge of the street? That's what. <laughs> it, that's what AAA means. Um, and what I'm on now is the uh, is the Golden Harvest 4.5% medium scrumpy. Uh, this was actually my girlfriend's, but uh, we are we will be moving out of Cheddar tomorrow. We have, we've had a lovely six weeks here, but we shall be moving out. So I'm doing my bit to uh, to Hoover up, you know, the booth <laughs> so you don't have to carry it everywhere. And I'd say it's very fun. This is Rich's cider, which is uh, a very uh, quite common in Somerset, the premium Somerset cider. What what are you drinking, Sam? What's your second? Right. Well, so if you thought um, 650 or whatever years, 640 years was uh, pretty good, I've upped the ante and I am drinking a Fest beer from ABK, a proudly Bavarian brewery, brewing for 700 years uh, since 1308. 700 years of Bavarian brewing tradition and heritage. This is their Fest beer. I've not had the Fest beer from ABK before. It is a 6%, a good, strong lager, lager beer there. So I've gone to the lagers today, straight out the bottle. 
um, and 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 for some you know for some some history here like combined this is this is like 1300 years of of brewing expertise from these two companies these two breweries yeah some it seems like you're going for uh, you know medieval continental uh drink i should i actually should be drinking these out of my um tankard my uh yeah stein yeah, yeah. stein yeah, yeah. I imagine I'm thinking that Fest beer from ABK is going to taste relatively similar to that Doppelbock I was drinking during the beer fast. Uh, ABK is another one of those Bavarian brews, so yeah. they'll make that Doppelbock during Lent. And uh, yeah, if you can handle it, well, it's uh, plenty of calories in there. Uh, it is, and I'm 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 hearing just just as we're talking about German beer. Uh, I, I've just heard word that the deal is done. Ronaldo to Manchester United at five hundred grand a week. Five hundred grand a week. Yeah. I kid you not. You thought they thought that 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 they made a mint out of Messi signing for PSG from the merchandise. They are going to sell a fucking truckload of Ronaldo kit. I might even buy some Ronaldo kit. <laughs> And I don't even like Manchester United. That is, that's a, that's mega. That is a mega deal. Uh, Why would you want to buy the kit? What would you do? I don't know. I don't know. See, this is the thing. I don't know. I just feel like I should. It's, it's like, I don't know. It makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I, f- I feel like I want to go buy a Manchester United Ronaldo shirt. I mean, I probably, you probably could already, but now it's like, it's like this homecoming, and I, I I feel inspired to buy some some merchandise for it. This is the thing. This is the weird thing about how this works. I don't know why, but this is the power of of the merchandise marketing. I feel like we're in like a CCP propaganda advert, and like this is the scourge <laughs> of Western capitalism. The consumer doesn't even know why he's buying. But he doesn't he, even know why. Yeah. Uh, no, wow. indeed. Uh, do you support Man U? Have you ever supported Man U? No, made it so back home. We always, everyone sort of had a team back home that they followed. Um, I wasn't necessarily that fast. Mate of mine is, you know, always liked Liverpool. Another one always liked United. Um, when I moved over here, it was, it was the Wolves, Wolverhampton Wolves. Uh, it, was, it was a wife's families from around Wolverhampton. So it was sort of adopted, um, adopted by me then. So, you know, no great expectations of any glory anytime soon, much like my footy team back home. But I was just thinking, and I, I think this every time I see a mega deal like this, if you're making 500,000 pounds a week, what would you do with it? Yeah, it's on. Uh, I'm sure that's on probably, probably everyone who read that article. They're probably, they're probably thinking that like 500 grand a week. What's the uh... like? So, I mean, they're, 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 and obviously the lifestyle you lead then sort of reflects that wage and then all of a sudden that disappears pretty quickly you, yeah you think, right like, i think i read somewhere that like harry kane had been renting a house um and and it was costing like thirteen thousand pounds a week right i mean you know if you if, if you're making 500 grand a week you're not renting you know a two thousand pound a, a a month you know <laughs> masonette in central london or something yeah yeah <laughs> um uh, so you know you do you do start to live your means you know a bit higher but even still okay 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 let's let's structure this then to make it more uh, more interesting uh the contract is five hundred thousand pounds a week uh and say for example you know 
and and of course it's not you're not a you're you are living the I'll life be buying a lot life. of nfts i'm not gonna lie <laughs> mate no no <laughs> yeah. i mean come on like uh Tell me you wouldn't buy okay, a, no, the few, rule, the a few parallel. You wouldn't buy a few parallel NFTs off, off of five hundred. Not at this away. point, actually, actually not at this point. I think uh, uh, so. Uh, you know, we were talking about parallel NFTs, that trading card NFT game, a few episodes back, which I was interested in getting some, and now you know the price is just blown up, blown up. I think the um, the masterpiece for one of the one of the cards has gone for a million dollars now. Yeah, so three hundred twenty eighth. Yeah, so if you. Uh, if you own that that NFT, you will earn a royalty on all of the sales of uh, NFTs that are are made in its likeness. Um, but okay, so the contract is you get you get five hundred grand a, a week, right? Uh, but contract is you can't leave the house that you're currently in. Uh, so <laughs> what what do you spend the money on? You got five hundred grand a week. A lot of Uber Eats. A lot of Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that'd burn through five hundred grand a week pretty fucking fast, I might add. Would it be enough to make Uber Eats profitable, though? That's the question. No, no, definitely not. I think if you got every Premier League player to order Uber Eats for every meal, you still couldn't make Uber Eats profitable. Mm. I think for me, it would just be cigars and uh, and some like really esoteric barley wines. I think that would be it. I, I reckon I'd have a pretty sick collection of vintage and retro gaming accessories. Oh really? You're really into the old, uh, you know, a lot of arcades and stuff as well. All right, but yeah. uh, you got like an old Nintendo 64 back there, Sam. Uh, I I don't. There's there is one back in Australia and a Super Nintendo back in Australia and a few Super uh, a few Super Nintendo games. I think I'm not sure what happened to our to our original Nintendo that had the the laser gun with the Duck Hunt Mario hybrid cartridge. Um, but uh, again, it's 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 probably in storage somewhere um but yeah I'd, I'd, I'd buy you know all the original working stuff I'd, I'd have a lot of i'd have a room with just arcade machines like the ninja turtles arcade and the simpsons arcade you know the double daytona arcade i've never um, played any of these time crisis um sega rally just like we used to have this thing called time zone it was basically just an arcade Back in Australia, and you're like every birthday, you wanted to have a time zone party. But basically, it was a lock-in for a couple of hours. Uh, all the games were basically unlocked, so you know you just jumped on and played. You didn't have to, you know, put coins in or whatever. And it's just like, I want my birthday at the time zone. Okay, God knows it would have cost a fortune for the parents to have, you know, <laughs> twenty little crazy bastards running around playing arcades for two hours at an arcade. But uh, yeah, I'd buy a lot of arcades. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like I was. I'm just the wrong generation for arcade, sadly. Uh, so, so I missed that. I'm very jealous, though. It does, it does look very cool when you see, like, you know, Terminator Two. Yeah, playing at the arcade. Oh. And so my and mate all. bought my mate bought that. My mate bought an original uh, Terminator Two uh, arcade, and he had it in in the garage. And it's got the two, you know, it's got you two players, but a gun next to each other, and you, you know, right. the gun gives you some feedback as you're shooting the Terminators, and it's kind <laughs> of scary, but it's fuck, it's good fun. Oh yeah, old school VR, I guess. I mean, this it is, is just- kind of because it's like a lot of them were 3D and had 3D technology in them, so it looked like it was you know jumping off the screen at you. It was, yes, it was. It's, it's um, retro gaming at its finest. Yeah, all right. in Aberdeen, there's a place called Cadonas, which is just by the beach, which is just a you know massive, uh, effectively just a massive arcade in a bowling alley, etc. 
and uh, they had all those machines. But you know, I was never. Yeah, parents didn't didn't take me there. It was mostly. Uh, it was mostly for uh, all the other kids wanted to go on the. Uh, you know, the, they had a motorbike one. I remember you know, one of these things where you get on the bikes, and, uh, and they had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I wonder, yeah, Cadonis. I mean, they must, uh, with the lockdowns and everything, they must uh, have gotten pretty wrecked when it comes to revenue. Those uh, arcades Imagine. would not be not be doing well in the age of Wu flu. That's for sure. No, a lot of arcades, I think, would have would have struggled and be shut down. Maybe there's a thriving secondhand market for all the games that they're trying to offload now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe when people were refurbishing their houses because they had to do nothing but DIY during Wu flu. Maybe they decided, you know, I'm actually going to install an arcade in the garage. Maybe there's people that did that. I've got space in my garage. It is, it is, there's a lot of shelving in there, but I could make some space for a couple of arcades. Whether or not I'd get that past, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of need a bathroom renovation and a few other things done as well for me to go blow a few grand on some arcades. I don't know how well that would go down, but maybe when the boys were a bit older. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Uh, and uh well well uh, surely your your nfts will deliver sam and uh it'll just no because i purchase nfts only on the proviso that i pretty much expect no one's going to buy them from me yeah that's a good that's a good proviso to go by yeah 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 i just want i just want this in my in my pocket and just, want, uh, just to say that i've got it or that I, you know maybe one day i'll have a i did i did see there was a company and i followed them i can't remember their name uh, that are designing a um, a little, basically a frame, a screen that's like a, a you know a picture frame um, that you can hang on the wall. That I think you can basically not, not plug your like, ether wallet into yeah, it. Yeah, you kind of you kind of just give it your wallet address, um, or you or you upload your wallet into it, and it displays your NFTs. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do you think they're going to make a lot of money, Sam? I'd buy one. No? <laughs> I'd buy one. I'd display my NFTs. Yeah, why not? Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. It'll certainly take up less space than a big arcade thing, that's for sure. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> now, Sam, uh, do you want to rate your second drink of the evening? Have you, yeah. How far through this uh, this Fest beer have you gone? Yeah, so I've almost finished the Fest beer. I mean, look, it's, it's a Fest beer. It wasn't as good as the dark lager from uh, the Bohemia, uh, the Bohemia Regent. Um, ABK, I mean, I've never had their beers before, but it was what you would expect the fest beer from Bavaria to be. Uh, A plus. Yeah. No more. A plus. All right. Yeah. Still yeah. good, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Golden Harvest over here. So similar kind of man. Of all the, oh, I probably shouldn't have picked this, this scrumpy uh, for, for triple B. But you know it's it's okay. It's not the best. That's Rich's cider, and it's Golden Harvest Crumpy, and yeah, not not the best. I mean, it's drinkable, but it's not the best. I would give it an A. I think I'm being uh, yeah. You know, I think I'm being uh, I'm being fair there. I'd be fair. Uh, Sam, any uh, any closing remarks you'd like to uh, like to leave us with for episode fifty five? We're on a doubles. We're, we're, we've got the five fives here. It'll be five you know, eleven five. episodes before we get uh, we get the six six. Then <laughs> a lot before the the, the six now. Uh, no, have a good long weekend, everyone. Very good. Very good. Well, that is all for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Do hope you have a very good weekend and enjoy some nice beer at the same time. All from us for the moment, but we shall be back next week. We'll see you then.